Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. A top of the Sunday morning to you, Phil. Morning, yeah. Nice to be here as always. Uh, nice to have some snooker to talk about. I've been in the home of snooker all week in Sheffield for a wedding, so that's been nice. But back home now and uh, ready for another week of Championship League action. Yes, it's only about, what, 35 weeks of this to go. So we'll get in the, through them slowly but slowly but surely. By 2022 sometime, the Championship League will be done and dusted. So, yeah, Absolutely. I've, I've sort of been dipping in and out, which I think is the vibe of the Championship League. I'd be very impressed if anyone sits and watch every single frame. I've dipped him in and out this week, but I think uh, I've got a quiet week ahead, so I'll be watching a lot more uh, in the days to come. Please forgive my cynical tongue, because I am actually really enjoying the Championship League. And I meant to say during, at the right time, but why not say it now? That, you know, we said this before, I know, but I don't mind at all repeating it, that there are so many things to say about good players, ranking points, who's going to win what. Sometimes you forget what good, what good company uh, snooker is. And this tournament, in a way, crystallises that more than most because it's not high octane. It's not uh, absolute cutthroat pressure, but it's nice. As you, you, can, you said, you can dip in and out. You've got that thing. You tune in at midday. It can go on quite long into the night and... Uh, you can sort of do other things while it's on. It's just lovely company, relaxing. And I think I'm growing a little bit more fond of the Championship League with every season, which goes against the grain because most snooker fans, I would say, probably don't see it like that. They, they, they see this as more of a filler, even in this newer guise of the last year or so where it's become a bigger deal. I think they're almost like, no, I can't wait to get back to a proper ranking event. I love those two, of course, and we can't wait for the British Open to come next month. But... You know what I mean? There's something about it. You see different players, you see the familiar ones. You know, if they're not your favourites to watch, oh, don't worry, two more will be along in a minute. It's one of those <laughs> sort of things, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Just little snippets. Um, yeah, and I'm a big fan of sort of players that you don't see all the time getting a bit of shine. 
Um, also the commentary. I mean, all the all the players having a go at the the commentary gig as well. It's all just something a little bit different. Um, I suppose it being the first event of the season gives it more kudos. If this was sort of shoved in between a couple of bigger events, maybe not so much uh, something to look look forward to. But um, yeah, definitely, it's nice just to flick it on uh, for a couple of frames, um, see some people you don't normally see. Um, I've been watching most of mine on Facebook, um, which I don't usually do. Again, it's just something a bit different. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, and it is what it is. It's it's uh, one of the smaller events of the season, but it's certainly uh, one to enjoy still. Definitely, and we've got lots to talk uh, about it some more uh, in a moment. Th- thanks ever so much, first of all, for the kind words you, you sent to me um, since the episode we recorded on Tuesday. Um, when I t- said that I had tested positive for COVID. I mean, I really was struggling big time uh, around about the start of the week. I have, I have got better since, and uh, probably it's a, a very much a lack of energy thing. I would think still is my, is my number one main symptom. But, uh, but no, really, I really am grateful. I know for, 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 so, for some of your friends out there, but a, a few, few people are just... just uh, just listeners, and uh, what I mean by that is that's you're very important to us, but you don't know me personally, so it's it's even more kind and nice of you to send messages, and I, I'm most grateful. And uh, I, I wouldn't always say this, Phil, but my story is um, is uh, strikingly similar to Piers Morgan in, in the Sunday paper today, <laughs> who is also 99.9999% sure that he caught the Wembley variant like me on that maddest of mad nights at the Euros final. And I know I was saying to you before um, we went on air that might have let my guard down a little bit because in the drama and emotion of the night, the sheer size of it, sporting-wise, all the trouble going on, perhaps I took my eye off the ball COVID-wise. My brother was at the game also. He was quite a long way behind me. He didn't come into the stadium until about probably that half an hour, 45 minutes before. And he texted to say they weren't even checking COVID tests at that stage. It was so chaotic. And that was normal ticket holders like my brother. So let alone the people that charged in. So they, they, they lost control of the night. We know that now. It's, a, it's getting to be an old story two weeks on. But um, but implications are there. And I did read a little snippet in one of the papers that so many police officers have come down with it that, that they've been calling it the, the Wembley variant at the Met. And, um, well, yeah, a bit of black humour there. But that's <laughs> it, it's gone it's like wildfire from that particular match. Yeah, um, definitely seemed like all the pictures looked like it would. <laughs> um, yeah, chaos really over there. Um, but glad to hear you're coming out of the right side of it. Not fully back to full fitness, but on the way. Exactly. Uh, I was certainly good enough for snooker watching, Phil, and um, <laughs> that's what we excel in, don't we, here? That's, what, that's one thing that we don't, we don't excel in everything by any means, of course, but we <laughs> do talking snooker and watching snooker, I think, pretty well. Anyway, let's go on with the days that we've uh, had since we last spoke to you in terms of the action we've seen. And on Wednesday, Barry Hawkins and Stuart Carrington were the group winners, both players going through with two wins and a draw. Uh, Carrington's sealing his success with a 2-2 draw in his final match against Jordan Brown. It's a fairly tight group, that one. Um, saw a bit of Barry on interview, actually. I didn't see the enormous amount of him playing. What I did see seemed pretty good, and he seemed a pretty confident place. Always a humble chap, of course, Barry. He's never one to sort of stand on the rooftops, you know, bellowing how brilliant he is. He's more one to play it down. But nice start to the season for him. A few points in the bag, and um, obviously he's hoping for another 
you know, well, a, a better campaign than, than maybe even last time when, as we mentioned, he reached those semi-finals late on in the, in the campaign. Yeah, he had a very solid season without looking spectacular last season, <laughs> but he was, in, he was in the top eight on the one-year list, we were saying. So, um, yeah, uh, solid again. Uh, I think you were saying he didn't have any specific goals for the season, but he would love another trophy to add to his cabinet, and he's clearly good enough to do so. Um, yeah, he mentioned Stuart Carrington. I think that was a great start for the season for him as well. I think he, he knocked in the tournament high break as well with the one three seven. It's comfortably the highest break so far, um, and that was sort of a that was a tough group to call his one. They all looked like they could have done it, and he he came through quite comfortably. And he he's sort of a, a player on the rise. I think he's he's one of these sort of mid players in the mid rankings that just never get much of a mention because um, they win. They're never going to be dropping off tour. They're never really challenging for titles. Um, but I think he's been steadily improving and uh, they'll keep going that way, hopefully. So he's he wants to keep an eye out, just sort of slow, slowly and steadily, quietly climbing the rankings. Quite like him as a player. Yeah, nice way of saying it. Actually, you talking about breaks there, that, that really is a smashing break because in some ways, really good breaks have been hard to come by in, in, this, um, in this tournament. Actually, a couple of times, certainly, um, two or three times, it, it, as the day is progressed in certain groups they've been speculating about the highest break perhaps being decisive and it's so often in the in the 70s and 80s you know that's the highest mm-hmm. break of the day so uh, what we put that do, down to is short format of course but also it's rustiness isn't it Phil that they're not back to their best yet these guys are they yeah there's a lot of talk of rustiness yeah there's, there's only been 12 centuries over the tournament so far which um doesn't seem like a lot considering the players that are there um but yeah that they will have been practicing, but some more than others. And it did seem everyone said how hot it is, tricky conditions, and uh, to keep your concentration as it needs to be in that sort of weather. Um, it's same strange talking about weather in an indoor sport, but it's very hot. Um, a lot of com- been complaining about that. So yeah, um, rustiness, heat, um, that that has played a part. Although you'd think they would be concentrating hard because knowing how important the high break can be, it has decided a couple of groups, hasn't it? It has. And um, Rianne Evans, of course, who was on here last week, mentioned that she didn't like it a, a, as a way of deciding it. She thought she, it could be a shootout, or a blue ball shootout or something more kind of, um, I guess, proactive than that. But, you know, mm. it does show the value of, of getting decent breaks. Let's move on to Thursday then. That was Rianne's group. And maybe we should take this chance to say, Phil, what a lovely guest she was when she joined us on Tuesday. We've had a lot of feedback, haven't we? People really enjoying listening to Rianne's views. And it was, it was a lovely coup for us. So thanks to you for getting her on. And uh, she delivered. She was lovely, wasn't there? And, and, and made us all jealous with, in the garden with the wine and the swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, that was superb. Yeah, she was great. Got lots of interest in these to say. Obviously, um, unique position in the game, really. All those world championships now on the main tour. So great perspective and uh, and great timing just before she played as well. And uh, yeah, I suppose immediately anyone saying she wasn't going to win a frame um, was proved wrong, which was nice. Very much so. Two two draws for Rianne. She said she wasn't feeling very well in her third game, which had been been unfortunate. She ended up, as I say, um, a little bit disappointing losing to Simon Blackwell. But I mean, I saw a fair bit of, of that day, um, and Rianne played really well against Simon Lichtenberg, two two draw, and was then two one up against Tom Ford. Now Tom Ford, in the end, um, 
had, had gone for about a frame and a half. He really had. He was playing some rash shots. He was playing some awful shots, actually. At one stage, he, the, the cue ball inadvertently went in, and he, I think he pointed it and said, get in. That, that's how much his, <laughs> his, his sort of mind had gone a little bit. And he's a lovely player, Tom Ford, but it just showed, again, um, to, you know, to, to, to me, how mentally fragile he can be as a player. His belief had gone. And I think if Rianne had a bit more match sharpness, she'd have won that, actually. But she played very nicely, some really lovely snooker at times, and I think she'll win matches soon. That, that's my view. If she plays like that, she definitely will. But her cue ball control is still a bit disappointing. She didn't quite have enough control of it on the day, uh, he says to his armchair. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, um, it, he wanted it to be a, bit, a little bit more pinpoint than it was, but it was a really entertaining day, actually, and Tom Ford got out of that with a draw and uh, ended up, he topped the group in the end, didn't he, Tom Ford? Um, mm-hmm. But he, he didn't uh, have many uh, complimentary things to say about his performances, did he, afterwards, Phil? He was absolutely savage about himself, calling himself pathetic. Yeah, he's very, uh, very honest. Um, I think I've got quotes here. He says, I've got, I have no words. I don't know how I've got through, through to be honest. So it was embarrassing. Um but yeah, I mean, he did. It was a very, very tight group. It just seemed harsh on Rianne to only lose one game and then finish bottom and come away with nothing. Um, but that's those tight groups. That's how they work out, really. Um, three players won one match. Uh, so yeah, nothing in it. Um, but yeah, encouraging for her to, to, do, to draw two matches out of three. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, I'm not sure what was wrong with her, but she said she wasn't feeling well at all by the final game. So that um, that's frustrating. And it's just the brutal nature we talked about this last week to come away with nothing um, for your day's work rather than £1,000 a third place. Because at the end of whenever you talk our ends, at the end of this season or next season, it can be as, as little as that that makes a difference between staying on tour or not. So, um, I mean, you don't want to be thinking like that through every tournament because that's an awful lot of pressure to put on yourself. But, um, yeah, a few quid here and there can make the difference. But I think it definitely got to be an encouraging start for her. Um, to draw to draw a couple of games so she show that she belongs. You know, Tom Ford's twenty-two in the world or something like that, I think. So um yeah, encouraging start for her. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And uh I think those ones where you have the and this is not a complaint because everyone goes through them, it's the only way you can do it. And everyone has to have their turn at doing it. But the ones when you have a match and then the five minute turnaround, especially when mm. I mean I know it's only a four frame match, but in a funny kind of way, it was quite an intense four frames, that, that Ford and the Evans match. And I think to come back and then play five minutes later. But by the way, a, a compliment again, they've been very, very timely uh, w- with their breaks. So I've been watching a fair bit on Matchroom Live and they, they time, they put a clock up between each break, actually, even if it's mm. between the frames and also between the matches. And they're very prompt and accurate with those, which is good from a television and scheduling point of view. But it does mean that it's a quick turnaround. So even if Rianne wasn't feeling great, there's no time to sort of recover and have a bit of a yeah. sit down. You're straight back out, Phil. It can be hard, that, I think. Yeah, and especially, I guess, in that heat that everyone's been talking about, you want to go and cool down for a bit. Um, you, you, it's not great to be uh, the one who has to sit in the sweat box for, for two straight games. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, as you say, it, it has to be done. So you've just got to get on with it. But, uh, yeah, not ideal. No, and uh, the other group that day was won by Bei Lang Ning. Uh, and then we moved on to Friday as the first week of action at the Championship League came to an end. I'll just uh, give a shout for give a shout for Bay though. I think he's the only amateur player to be through so far. 
Um, and there are a few there. Uh, but he looks a very good play. He missed the whole of last season, really, through because uh, of the pandemic. And then very nearly got through the World Championship qualifying from the first first round. Uh, he's only 19. And I think there was some... Because he, he missed the whole season through Corona, there was uh, a bit of a call for him to maybe get thrown a wild card for this season, um, like Marco Fu did, because he missed it all. Um, didn't happen. But um, he's obviously a very good player. Um, he only had sort of uh, two seasons ago, his first year on tour. Didn't really do a lot, but very impressive at the World Qualifier. And... Uh, yeah, great start for him there. So um, I'm not sure how much we'll see of him this season because he's not got a tour card, but one to look, look out for when we do. Well, hopefully hopefully a fair bit. It, it can depend on draws, of course, can't it, in these tournaments, how much we see people on television. Mm. That's, again, the benefit of this. Um, yeah. I mean, that, again, that was, you know, Match from Live, I think, has coverage of both tables, doesn't it? So you can yeah. see both. But with, with the free sports coverage, it's on, tends to be on the other one, doesn't it? On, on one table only. Well, they do yeah. switch sometimes at the end, which I think I've been quite impressed by. If, if one match is still in progress at the end of the play on the one table, they will join the other one. But so again, nice chance to see different players. Uh, on Friday, Mark Davis uh, edged out one Sejun to reach the next stage. Uh, both players had seven points there, actually, but Davis won through by... Frame difference, or, or, or f- if you're like me in the old days, you still call goal difference goal average in football sometimes. <laughs> Maybe call it frame average. Um, but anyway, Davis had two 3 0 wins, one Sejun had a 3 0 and a 3 1. While Chang Bing Yu was the winner of the other group, uh, Dean Young on his first day on tour, lots of eyes on him. He only picked up one point actually in a 2 2 draw with Pang Jung Su. So tough start for him, but um, you know. Baptism of fire in a way, Phil, and he'll already be better for the experience, won't he? Even only one day in. Yeah, a tricky group there. There's a lot of young, good players. Uh, I think I think that shows a group like that shows that uh, you know there's a lot of talk about not too much young talent coming through, but that, that very sort of UK focus because there's a lot of good young teenagers from China, and Chang Bing is one of them. Uh, quite an impressive player, um, and to come through that with two wins and draw. Very good effort. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm sure these guys don't put too much pressure on the results here. And obviously Dean would be disappointed to finish last there. But as you say, it's all good experience um, and get ready for bigger and better tournaments, I guess. Very much so. And that brought week one to an end. Lots of interesting action during the week. Uh, as we said, not, not always the best snooker we're going to see throughout the season. But chances to see different players and um, some couple of quite one-sided groups, but actually more often than not, uh, quite a lot of drama in those groups and, uh, mm-hmm. and the result being, being in doubt till, till near the end. Seen a little bit more debate actually online about the group scenario. I know Rianne uh, and maybe you were saying that it, a little bit that it's quite difficult sometimes with the, with the dead rubbers. But um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to stick to my guns that I think we, we should try and make groups, groups work because that, they're quite rare and um, yeah, it's nice to have the sort of variation really. And it's guaranteed matches, isn't it? That's what I like. Yeah, everyone gets those guaranteed matches. Mm. Uh, you know, there's no sort of, even if you, you know, you, you know, you're not playing particularly well, don't worry. You, in the first match, you've got a couple more chances. You get full matches. I like that kind of guaranteed table time type thing. Yeah, definitely. And that's especially good for sort of the lower ranked players who, um, without group stage matches can go a long time without playing too many games 
they're losing a lot of first rounds. So sure, that is a plus. Yeah, it's just there seem to be a lot of play of players winning their first two games quite comfortably and then drawing the last. And then that sort of says what we were saying last week about, you know, not everyone's effort is there the whole time. And I think that's the problem. But I guess I don't know how to <laughs> don't know how to encourage people to try a bit harder in all their games. You gotta put the prize money up or uh I guess. But uh, yeah. Um now I've got but nothing against group stages in, in principle, and I do like uh, things being different from other tournaments. Um, but it it just seems to be a, a motivation problem for a lot of players in their in their final games a lot of the time. Yeah, no, uh, that's fair enough. The, the, the two wins and a draw thing is certainly something, yeah, a trend that's not not an unusual one. Well, let's look ahead then, shall we? Unless you've got anything more to say about the first week, I think we we'll put that in the book. Shall we move on to Monday? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, we've got Martin Gould, Ken Doherty, Rory McLeod and Ryan Davis. Well, some familiar names there. Uh, Gould, who we know has had his uh, very unfortunate uh, and and saddening mental health issues, but in a better place now, we're we're glad to say, in a better place in recent times. He reached the European Masters final last season and quarterfinal of the World Grand Prix. We last saw him beaten by Yan Bingtao in round one of the World Championship. Well, Ken Doherty, um, evergreen, of course, Ken, strikes me that it will be 25 years next spring since his World Championship win. Good heavens above, where has the time gone? Uh, Rory McLeod, another player we, we know so well, but, uh, well, he didn't have the best of, of seasons last one gone. And Ryan Davis, teenager, and uh, had, a, had a few useful wins at Q School, so he'll be the outsider in this in this group. Uh, Martin Martin Gould will fancy his chances won't he in this one Bill I think it's fair to say I should think so yeah he must be the highest ranked player there by some stretch uh, yeah Ryan Davis exciting young teenage talent he's only 19 um, but hasn't got too much experience against against uh, pro players and yeah like you said Rory McLeod was back on tour last season but didn't didn't have the best time of it really um, Ken was playing over the, over the summer at the seniors obviously um, but yeah I think you've got a fancy Gould there um, yeah, not too much more to say about that one, really. No, it's fair enough. And the other one that day is Joshua Tumond, Oliver Lyons, Peter Devlin and Luke Pinches. And this was the group that Zhao Yulong should have been in. So it, it doesn't look the strongest on paper, actually. Uh, but this is, um, I suppose, the, the flip side of it is what a chance for one of the players to emerge. So a quick word about Peter Devlin, actually. Um, really nice interview from David Caulfield, friend of this podcast. Lest we forget, Phil, not only a lovely guest presenter, the very first voice apart from ours that was heard on Talking Snooker. So we'll always have a, a special place in the, the heart of this podcast for David. Uh, uh, we'll have him back one day, no doubt. Uh, but unfortunately, it emerged that Peter Devlin has had a, has been in a car accident in, in the last few days. And he has some neck and back injuries and, and, and some whiplash, but otherwise OK. But it sounds like a pretty nasty one. So thank heavens it wasn't worse, uh, Phil, but obviously not ideal preparation, but by a million miles stretch for for for, for Peter there. Yeah, no, it sounded nasty, and uh, wish him all the best. Uh, and he sort of played it down in that interview, which was a great interview. Shout out to David for that. Um, but yeah, just, he was like just a bit of whiplash. But uh, I imagine playing snooker with just a bit of whiplash is still an absolute nightmare. So. Uh, yeah, I uh, hope he's all right, and I hope it's not impacting his game and his practice too much. Because 
yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys suffer with sort of neck injuries and back injuries, don't they, over their career? So uh, hopefully that's not going to affect him too badly uh, and he can crack on. Because, like you said, it's a good chance for these four players here. Um, I suppose Lines is the favourite to get through because um, he's probably got the most experience of those four very inexperienced players. Yes, yes, you know, you're right there. Yes, if you tossed up the matches on tour between them, it wouldn't be a great total there, would it? But um, <laughs> no, it, it, a big chance uh, for somebody. And of course, Oliver will join his father, Peter, in the next stage if he can get through. Um, on to Tuesday then. Someone called John Higgins, name rings a bell for <laughs> Nopon Sankam, Igor Figueredo and Sahel Vahidi. Well, I've uh, got your voice in, in my head, but um, we all say it, but I always remember you saying it, you know, very com- in very compelling fashion. Let's just enjoy these greats, this class of 92, when we can. And uh, we, of course, do do that. So John Higgins making his first appearance of the season. Uh, Nopon, former ranking event semi-finalist, but didn't uh, reach uh, the last eight of any tournament last season. Uh, Igor Figueredo, we last saw the World Seniors, actually. Played some mm. quite nice snooker there, reaching the semi-finals. I know some people didn't agree necessarily with not picking on Igor, but people of that age being in that event, and we discussed that around the time of it, didn't we? And Sahel Vahidi, well, we know, thanks to you, how tough life has been for him on tour uh, a lot of the time, especially during the pandemic. So, uh, yeah, this is an interesting group. I mean, funny enough, John's John's had a fair bit of success in the Championship League, actually. He he seems to quite, well, he enjoys most tournaments over the years, of course, but, Mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't mind the short format here and, and going all the way, and obviously he'll be you know, a, a good favourite in this group. Yeah, this group seems like the opposite of the previous group, doesn't it? It seems like these guys have all been around for for a long time in various, uh, well, at various parts of the and the rankings. But obviously, John Higgins been around forever. Um, lovely international flavour to this group as well. Scotland, uh, Thailand, Brazil, and Iran. Lovely stuff. Um, that that would that would be a good World Cup group, wouldn't it? Football. <laughs> yeah. You tune in for a lot of that. Brazil against Scotland, they played a few World Cups over the years. Iran, you know, tricky little outsiders in the group there. You know, sorry, we're going to the football group here. Carry on, sir. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd fancy John Higgins, wouldn't you? But I suppose all these guys are more than capable about uh, picking up results over the short format. Um, Yeah, Igor was playing some good stuff. He nearly got to the Crucible, didn't he? Um, That was a big thing. He was getting a lot of support from back home. Pele will be watching, hopefully, for this one. (laughs) <laughs> nice little Pele mention maybe we should uh, you know how another uh, another very famous some would say more famous than ours snooker podcast they they, they like their mention of Fergal O'Brien and the Mercantile <laughs> Credit Classic maybe we should you know kind of upgrade that a bit and say Pele make Pele ours we, we <laughs> seem to get a mention of the great man most week so that, that's a tick for you there so we've got to try and somehow work Pele in. It's not going to be always easy necessarily, Phil. Um, we're going to... <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be a challenge. I mean, Fer- Fergal seems to come up just very naturally on theirs. Uh, <laughs> not crowbarred in, but I think I would have to get a substantial crowbar when we're talking about Pele every week. Yeah, we're going to put the C right back into crowbar there, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, right, so Gary Wilson, Stephen Hallworth, Xiaoyu Peng and James Cahill... Uh, well, this is, um, what do you make of this one then? I mean, G- G- Gary Wilson, we last saw giving Kyron Wilson a hell of a game at the World Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've spoken to Stephen Hallworth uh, 
uh, lately. I, I, I had a look through his, his record last season. He had a few good wins uh, and to beat Yan Bin Tao at the English Open, actually, one of the good wins he had. Xiao uh, Yu Peng, former ranking event finalist, back on tour following his suspension. And uh, James Cahill, well, uh, you, you feel like you're contractually obliged to mention that victory when you talk about James. <laughs> I won't do that. But what I will say is, you know, the classic thing of he's shown not just with that win, but others, how capable he is. But he's not doing it as consistently yet, is he? So interesting group, this one. Yeah, this this seems like the anti-James Hill KL tournament. He seems to shine against the big players on the big stage, but um, can't can't do it or can do it a lot less regularly on the back tables, playing people not on TV. So you wouldn't you wouldn't fancy him in this one, really. Um, he he didn't really get near getting through Q school, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see Cao Yu Peng return um, after his uh, ban for match fixing. Um, good player, really good player. Um, so I think him he'll be coming in at the bottom of the rankings and he'll give some big names a bit of a fright some, in some tournaments this year, I imagine. Uh, Gary Wilson and Stephen Hallworth played each other in the last round of qualifying for the Worlds and... Um, Hallworth had come through a couple of good games there and I sort of fancied him to cause an upset, but Wilson was excellent, um, sort of dismissed him quite comfortably. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, you're never quite sure what to expect with Gary Wilson. He's he's absolutely brilliant on his day, brilliant scorer. Um, yeah, just a great player all around, really, And but it's not it's not always there, so we don't know. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, I guess any of those three, I, w- I wouldn't fancy Cahill through this, to be honest, but um, any of the three got a good chance. Holworth's been doing a commentary there as well already, hasn't he? So he's been there a few days, getting used to things. Um, so maybe he'll fancy his chances. Yes, and the bits I heard him do, he was quite good, quite good at doing it, actually. Uh, as had most of the players that have done it, it's been lovely to hear different voices. Uh, Gary Wilson, of course, has also had uh, issues, hasn't he, to do with building work on his house, if memory mm. serves, which you know was caused him... I think quite a lot of angst, to say the very least. So he wasn't in the best place, actually, throughout a lot of last season. And maybe towards the end, showed signs of what a good player he can be. Um, I can't remember which exact world championship he reached the semis now. Was it? 2019. Of course, it was the year that Judd won. Of course it was. I mean, anyone that can get through to the last four of the Crucible, Bill, you know, just shows, you, you know, that, 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 that's no fluke. That's never going to be a fluke in a million years. So good, good, good play on his day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was struggling, right. And he had some bad results that season. And uh, there was that time, I think he was in this tournament or the pro series um, when he sort of smashed the balls around and that sort of showed how uh, he, he was struggling. But he seemed to get it together. As you say, his problems with his house, he said it was almost entirely behind him by the time he got to the Crucible. And and he looked good there. Um, so yeah, hopefully that's all in the past now, and he can crack on because yeah, brilliant player um, when he's going. Um, it was only was it last season, the season before? He made four straight tons in a match, which doesn't happen very often at all. Um, yeah, it was uh, yeah. So yeah, when he's on his day, he's great. So hopefully, uh, hopefully problems behind him, and he can get back to showing that more regularly. Indeed, and we're on to. Wednesday now, I haven't missed one out. Oh, I know, I think one to Wednesday. Tepchaya Anu, Martin O'Donnell, Craig Stedman and Jian Jiankang. Easy for me to say. Tepchaya, <laughs> first of all. And 
a former shootout winner. In fact, this is kind of the shootout group in a way, because I've just made a few scribbles here, and it very shootout dominated. Um, Tep Chai, a former winner of that, but uh, he didn't have a particularly great uh, 2021 season. And he will be looking to improve on that. O'Donnell, former shootout semi-finalist. Stedman, shootout semi-finalist last season. So mm -hmm. they're all having their best results in that very odd format, which is so different to regular snooker, as we know. Uh, unfortunately for Zhang, last season was totally wrecked by the pandemic for him. So, um, yes, Tep Chai is an interesting one. He, he's had, obviously, success, and, and he's, he's a smashing player and a very, very exciting player. Um, at his best, explosive. But um, yes, but you, you want him to push on and maybe have a bit of a stronger campaign this one coming. Yeah, it was a quiet one last year, wasn't it? Because I think it was the year before that he looked like he was really pushing on and uh, he got to the final of the World Open, didn't he? I think he, I think he lost to Judd there, um, a handful of quarterfinals, and it looked like he was progressing um, nicely, but then it, it all went a bit quiet last season. Um, so we'll see where he is this time around. Yeah, obviously super to watch when he's when he's going, um, and it, it just seems like it's sort of all or nothing because he's such a rhythm player. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, he's the highest ranked player here by some way. But I always quite rate O'Donnell. He's good. Stedman came through Q School, so he'll have been playing a lot. Um, so yeah, a tough one to predict again. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. No, yeah, that's to look forward to on Wednesday. The other one that day is Robert Milkins, Zhao Jambo, Gerard Green and Hayden Pinney. Well, Robert Milkins, of course, we know, know so well. Uh, he only got to the last eight of one event last season. That was the shootout. Uh, Zhao Jambo is still only 17 mm -hmm. and... He, he has shown in patches, uh, we've seen him from time to time, beat Stuart Bingham in Northern Ireland last season, is one result that comes to mind. And, uh, well, Gerard Green, the other side of the fence, has been a pro forever and a day, since 1993, actually, former oh, yeah. ranking event finalist. And Hayden Pinney, we saw a few times last season, didn't particularly shine when he did play. So, um, yeah, it's sort of can imagine kind of any of them coming through here a little bit. I mean, it kind of depends what what, we'll, what, what, what what Milkins we do see showing up, because sometimes he can be just hard to stop, but sometimes his head can't, isn't, isn't really uh, isn't really totally engaging proceedings and give the others a chance type thing. Yeah, he, he looked quite good for in a lot of patches last season, didn't he? He beat Neil Robertson uh, in a big one. Um, he's great to watch when he's going, so attacking, so fluent. Um I fancied him to get through to Crucible, but he didn't quite make it. Um, but yeah, he's, I've seen him on Twitter. He has been watching a lot of this, so he's certainly engaged in the snooker at the minute. He's not just on holiday or anything. Um, so yeah, he could be, he, he'll be the favourite. But Jao Jimbo is impressive. Again, like I said before, we talk about not too much young talent, but that is from the UK people are talking about because he's another Chinese teenager who looks good. Got a handful of good wins last season. Um, as you say, beat Stuart Bingham, beat Jing Tong in a, in a match. He smashed Nop on one time. Um, beat McManus, Michael White I've got all written down here so yeah a handful of very good wins for his first season on tour um, and he'll be one to watch developing nicely this year uh, so yeah he's a threat um, one of those two I guess will be coming through Indeed and then we move on to a group with another one of the, the real top names of the game 
becoming a pretty much a superstar of the game, actually, Kyron Wilson. And we last saw Kyron coming so close to reaching the world final. We, we mentioned at the time that maybe the first proper crucible scars for him because he was going so well, wasn't he, against Sean Murphy in that semi until Sean came back. And uh, yeah, it wasn't the, wasn't the happiest Kyron, actually, if you remember. We, we talked about it mm. a fair bit since, of course, complaining that Sean was being theatric. So that seems like a, a lot of life, a lot of water has flown under the bridge since Enfield. But Kyron's back in a group with uh, Sam Craigie, Ben Hancorn and Dylan Emery. Well, Sam Craigie was at the Crucible too, wasn't he? And mm. um, lost to Mark Williams, having qualified for the first time. Uh, and uh, and also we have Hancorn, who showed at times fleetingly last season what he can do. He beat Tep Trial at the English Open, which is one notable victory. Dylan Emery had a few good wins at Q School. He beat Mitchell Mann in one of his matches there. Uh, but it's, it's kind of all about Kyron, isn't, isn't it? This If Kyron shows up, if Kyron's really close to his best, Kyron goes through. Yeah, I guess so. He's just said he loves this tournament, doesn't he? Um, won the last two. Uh, so he's, I, like, I really like Sam Craig. I think he's a very good player. Um, and there's more to come from him. I think he's got quite a high ceiling. Um, and yeah, I expect him to progress further. Uh, he looked good in that in that game against Williams. Gave him a bit of a scare. Um, so yeah, he's a very good player. He's capable of beating anyone over this format. But yeah, just Wilson loves playing the Championship League. Uh, so I'd, I'd back him to get through almost any group. Uh, he'd be one of the favourites to win the whole thing. So you've got to stick with Kyron, I suppose. But um, yeah, Sam Sam's capable of uh, giving him a scare for sure. I think they're the last game on, so it could be could well be a winner takes all final match between those two. Yeah, that'd be an interesting one to watch. No question, it could well go down to that, as you say. The other group that day is Graeme Dock, Robbie Williams, Julian Boyko and C.J. He and Graeme Dock. Now, there's a man that prefers longer formats, Phil. Yeah. Although, he, he can do well at the Championship League. Graeme's a bit of a funny one, you know, a bit of a dark horse, because we all know the cliche about, you know, it's not a cliche, it's true, um, <laughs> about him liking the longer formats. Uh, wonderful record at the Crucible, of course, and in various other longer format events, he does pretty well. But he can also chuck in decent performances in the shorter ones sometimes. He reached the semi-final stage of this, I think, last season. And he's done a right at the shootout before as well, actually. Mm. So so you, you can't just pigeonhole Graham Dot in the, in the way that's always neat. Um, Robbie Williams, quarter-finalist at the English Open last season. Uh, Julian Boyko, Julian Boyko, born in 2005, Phil. How comfortable, <laughs> how comfortable are you talking about sports people that were born in 05 now, I'd like to know? Yeah, uh, uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> but interesting to see how he develops because he, he, look, he looked like a, uh, like a complete rookie last season. Like, he's obviously got great talent, uh, but so much more to add to his game. So I'm looking forward to seeing how, how much and how quickly he progresses because obviously like, there's something there. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's an awful lot to learn when you're 15 years old on tour. Exactly. And CJ, he um, is 19. So, I mean, talk about a father figure here, Graham. I mean, goodness me, he's, um, he, he, he's got all the experience in the world in this group, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And Robbie Williams has been around for a, a long old time as well, it seems. I think he's in that category of player that's sort of, like I mentioned about Carrington earlier, Um always ranked in the sort of around the 40s to 50s around there, doesn't often get spoken about, but he's a great player on his day. Um, 
so he he'll fancy getting through this one, I think. But um, yeah, Graham would be the favourite. You're never quite sure what to expect from Graham Dot, really. I think uh, he's spoken a lot over the last few years about his sort of mental struggles as well. So um, without knowing what's going on behind the scenes with him, you're never quite sure what place he's going to be in. But when he's uh, when he's feeling good, feeling right, um, then he's still you know he's still one of the best players around. Really, he's, he's a superb player. I think I think we forgot to mention earlier when it was just reminded me when you were talking about. Crucible players that Anthony McGill went out with three defeats in his group, um, the one that Mark yeah. Davis won, which uh, I think we spoke about how last week how we, you're never quite sure what to expect from Anthony away from the Crucible, but I don't think anyone would have expected one frame one out of three games from him. They're quite unusual. Yeah, no, yes, you're right to to to, to mention that, and and it. You couldn't have a, a better illustration of, of Anthony than that, really, could you? It, it, he couldn't improve on that as, as a kind of as a kind of symbol of, of, of his issues, if you can call it that. I mean, he, he, he's, he'll turn up in Sheffield, frankly, for the next 10, 15 years with, with a live chance to win, you'd think, mm. because of the way he is and the way he, he relishes that tournament and that particular setting and that format. But, you know, that's, that's not much of the season, is it? He has to try and up his game in those sort of, um, you know, more run-of-the-mill events to you know, pick up ranking points and to, to try and put some, you know, trophies in the cabinet. Because, again, we chuck around that overachieving, underachieving thing and we know that, you know, it's it's very subjective. But um, I don't think I'd quite say I'm a big underachievement thing because he has done quite a lot in the game, frankly. Mm. But for his talent, you sort of think, this is the next three, four, five years, you want to sort of see maybe a couple bit bits more bit bit more silver going into his own you know trophy cabinet type thing yeah definitely he's definitely good enough i think he's a great player um and you don't do what he's done in sheffield without being so and he's won two rankers hasn't he so uh, yeah, can't do it um and i don't know maybe there's something going on there because as i say those so he lost 3-1 to billy castle 3-0 to one to june 3-0 to mark davis so they are they are sort of notably bad results for a man like Anthony mcgill so i don't know if there was something else going on there um why why that was uh, such a bad day out for him um but yeah hopefully he'll be sort of back more at it for the british open and onwards from there because uh, he's a much better player than that certainly is now we are on to friday this is the last day of the uh, set of matches in week 2 of the championship league uh, these matches to remind you taking place in leicester and uh, we have Stuart Bingham, Elliot Slesser, Zhao Yang and Michael White. Now, I saw in the last two or three days, actually, on the on this day Twitter service, which Dave Hendon runs, I think that's done. That's done by Dave mm. pointing out it was 10 years since Stuart's win at the Australian Open. I mean, heavens above. We talked about it before. I know, I know. I said that we don't have favourites, but Stuart Bingham is one one player I particularly admire and like to see him do well. And well, talk about a career of two halves, very very decent career up until twenty eleven. But boy, has he shone since then, and it's been a, a wonderful ten years for him, including World Championship victory, Masters victory, and you feel there's still plenty to come uh, f- from Stuart, and he'll embark on a new campaign, and. Uh, Yes, we, it's a, another cliche alert, of course, but he was never going to miss this event, was he, Phil? Because <laughs> uh, you, you, we're contractually obliged to say that Stuart Bingham likes playing snooker, doesn't he? And he, he loves it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and Elliot Slesser, 
former ranking event semi-finalists, Zhao Yang, still only 16. Lots of young players in this tournament. There's so, so many years uh, to come. Lots of ex important experience. Uh, Michael White couldn't get back on tour via Q School lately. Um, but a superb player on his day, twice in the past, a ranking event winner. So, well, Stuart won't have his, all, all, all his own way in this group. You know, this, he, he, could, he might have his work cut out, actually. Yeah, definitely. Um, Slash so a very good player um, on his day. Obviously, White as well. Gao Yang, another one in the category of uh, impressive Chinese youngsters. 16. I mean, sort of goes under the radar sometimes. <laughs> How young a lot of these Chinese guys are. 16 years old. And he got a few wins. He was on tour last year, got a few wins. Um, so, he, yeah, he's one to watch. Great, uh, great talent. Um, it's funny that that Australian uh, win for, for Stuart Bingham has a bit of a place in my career history in a way because I was uh, I was at university then but I was doing a, pl a summer placement with Eurosport for the website and uh, they, they got me in to do the the overnight live updates of the final of that so it was a late night but it was one of the first times I'd sort of uh, written about snooker for a major publication or anything so uh, and I really enjoyed it and that sort of spurred me on to go down this road a bit. So shout out to Stuart Bingham. He, he sort of put me in this place where I am today to an extent. Um, so, yeah, uh, he'll be the favourite, won't he? But um, any of those other three are very capable. Uh, I, I've got Mark Hallen's <coughs> comments in my head about Stuart. Was it actually at that event or around that time he said he doesn't want to lose to players like Stuart or something like that? And that, that of course, famously always kind of spurred Stuart on. Yeah, I, I had that in my head that it was then as well. I'd have to double check, but I thought that too, yeah. But that's kind of what, what other pros, top pros might have thought about Stuart at the time. Lovely, lovely player, very capable, but he, he didn't have that killer instinct. How he's developed it, I mean, perhaps we'll have to try and get him on here one day if, it, if, mm. if he says yes to us, um, because we'd love to have Stuart on and, and ask him ourselves. I know he's probably been asked, but I, I, want to, I, I feel like I still want to delve more into that because I'm so fascinated. I mean, it's often said as always shot in the Barry Hearn era, more tournaments to play, but it's a bit simplistic. There's really more to it than that. You know, probably a more settled home life and we all get a bit more settled or most of us do as we get older. That's probably part of it. But it's just been a, a transformation of a player. And um, as I say, more to come from him. You thought that, that, you know, even at his age, you know, he'll probably tend to dip off a bit, I'm sure, in the years to come. But it'd be surprised if he's put his final trophy away for, for his career, eh? Yeah, I and mean, he looked brilliant in Sheffield uh, this year. It was great. Um, yeah, it's funny how these players sometimes it's confidence thing or anything. I mean, I was watching the darts last night. Peter Wright was uh, turning in an immense performance to beat Michael Van Gogh in the World Match Play final. And the guy's 51, and he's played his best darts in his 40s into his 50s. And for quite a number of years, he was sort of a guy he'd pop in in the first round, and you wouldn't be that surprised if that's where his, his tournament ended and uh, something clicked later on in life. And, uh, you know, now he's one of the best players in the world and he's achieved so much. He's one of the best players ever, really. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting to see how people can go from, I hate the word journeyman because it's, it's wrong for this because he actually had done a load of stuff in the game. Um, he didn't, he was, Bingham wasn't losing every first round or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, you can click from uh, sort of nowhere near the top to very near the top later in life. So, yeah, it's interesting how it happens. He won a recent world title as well, didn't he, Peter Wright? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, he's, 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 he's hard to miss Peter, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
but, but yes, I, I, I don't like the word journeyman either. And I noticed when he won the Masters, it's one of those that, um, and this is just the, the nature of the beast, you know, you, you often will get extra coverage and sort of journalists that aren't necessarily on the snooker beat. They'll, they'll, they'll be there for the, for the big match, the final. I noticed a few of them, those not regular snooker uh, writers, they were very much on, on the journeyman. I mean, may, maybe there's no better word for what, for, for what Stuart's career represented that first sort of 10, 15 years of it. But yes, it's, it feels like a, it feels like a very rude word actually, doesn't it? It feels like a, you know, an insult, really. Yeah, and I think I I would use it in boxing because I mean the journeyman in boxing literally turns up and loses every fight or nine nine out of ten fights, ninety nine out of hundred fights, and that that works though because they're literally there effectively to lose. You know, it's not quite match fixing, but near enough is. Um, so yeah, I mean, if there was an equivalent of that where you're literally just scraping onto the last place on the rankings every season and barely winning a match, I'd be more comfortable then, but. People who are sort of ranked in the top sixty-four getting to getting to quarterfinals, just not winning them, winning tournaments. You know that's not a journeyman at all. That's a very good player. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we are now just one group away from completing the second week of action in the Championship League, and it's Ryan Day, Hussein Vafai, Jackson Page, and Barry Pinches. Well, it was so good to see Ryan Day back in the winner's circle at the shootout, wasn't it? We said. Um, you know, around the time that he, he was too good a player not to be in the winner's circle, frankly, again soon. Smashing player, former ranking event winner. Uh, Hossein Vafai had a few, quite a few good results last season, reached the last date of the World Grand Prix. Uh, Jackson Page, uh, probably the worst thing for Jackson maybe, is that I've tipped him to be <laughs> one of the youngsters to watch. I think this could finally be his breakthrough season. But I hope for his sake he wasn't listening, Phil. Hey. <laughs> and... Um, well, the, the, the other side of the fence with Barry Pinches, a, a pro since the 1980s, heavens above. He really has been around forever. I think 89, the same year as Nigel Bond turned pro. Wow. And he got back on tour via Q School recently. So th this is one of those that I think could, could be really gritty and tight and interesting. And it's a bit of a throw your balls in the air for this one, actually, to who might emerge as the victor. Yeah, I really like this group. Um, yeah, Ryan Day is a great player to watch and he's playing well. It always looks like he should be higher up the rankings um, than he has been the last few years. Um, Hussein Vafai, I think everyone's sort of been waiting for him to make the next step. Um, he looks amazing when he's playing well. He's, he's reached a few big semi-finals. Sort of his best results have been in quite big tournaments. A couple over in China, got the semis of the Welsh. Beat Judd Trump at the Welsh, ended in uh, last season, didn't he? Ended that great run of results in best of sevens. Um, but he's not, he's not quite kicked on um, to that next stage that people are expecting to. Um, so hopefully this season, he's had a tough time. I spoke to him in Wales and he came over, he came over from around for the previous World Championship qualifiers with a small suitcase, little hand luggage thing. And uh, he'd not been back for over a year. So uh, it was unusual times up in Darlington for him. Um, but yeah, he's still only uh, he's still only 26, so there's plenty of time for him. Uh, and then yeah, Barry Barry Pinchers is tough to beat, and Jackson Page will be hopefully renewed confidence after coming back through Q School first time of asking. So yeah, uh, anyone's group this is going to be an interesting one. It's a shame this this will be on table two of that day. Um, be one I'll be keeping an eye on, I'm sure. 
Uh, well, and, and, and Jackson's page is certainly doing some some practicing. Mark Williams seems to be tweeting all the time about them, them, them practicing together. So getting some good table time under his belt. And yes, it's um again, it's kind of it kind of links to something I asked Rianne, which is, would you prefer this kind of low key way to start the season? I, I tend to think it suits most, the majority of people in this really, probably even seasoned pros and those more experienced players alike, because you get table time, you know, it's never going to break a player's heart to be ex exiting the championship league, is it? Um, you know, whereas I think if you went into something like the British Open, uh, you know, cold turkey, as it were, especially with that format, I mean, that, 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 that would be the really tough thing, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, if you, they're all going to be rusty. No one's going to be playing their A game. And as you say, I think you'd rather be doing doing that in a tournament like this than a big televised, uh, high profile one. I think so for sure. Um, yeah, I spoke to Jackson when he came through Q School, and uh, he was saying obviously practicing with Mark Williams is invaluable. It's priceless stuff. Um, the only difficulty is saying no to when Mark wants to go and play golf in the afternoons and maybe staying there practicing himself afterwards. So uh, hopefully he's done some of that as well. <laughs> Indeed. Well, that, that, that will bring uh, week two uh, to a close at the Championship League and we'll be along again next weekend to reflect on that and then look ahead to week three. It's a long old tournament, this. It really is. But um, it's giving us some lovely action to enjoy uh, in the summer. And... Uh, um, and uh, let's move on now, perhaps, Phil, and talk a little bit more about a couple of other matters. And the British Open, the aforementioned tournament, which is uh, now a few weeks away in August. First of all, lovely promo from ITV. Mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, I'm sure you've seen that. Lovely sort of nod to the past with Dickie Davis in there. Uh, Ray Reardon saying he fancy he can go a long way now. Some lovely commentaries from the past, lovely images smashing music it really is a it's a reminder that this tournament you know it's got a rich history and that that will be rightly remembered when we when we begin at the, the event won't it yeah it was really nicely put together and uh yeah it would have been daft if they hadn't uh made the most of some history of this because i was thinking that they could have just, this could have just been a new tournament couldn't it they could have called it anything um at the, st the start of the season but they decided to go back and revamp the british open um so you've got to make the most of the history of it and speak about it. And hopefully it gives it some kudos. Um, we were saying before that it's sort of, it has got a lot of stick from the format. Uh, and I don't think any, any fans would have picked that obviously, but uh, it's still something to really look forward to. And it should be a really good one. Yeah. I, I'm glad you said that because it, it seems to be to, having quite a lot of criticism and negative talk around it, which is, bit of a shame because it's it's something to relish as well and yes the format maybe isn't ideal but i still think it'll be a smashing watch and i'm sure itv will cover it brilliantly but let's not talk around it ronnie o'sullivan has, has pulled out of the event and that's obviously a miss when you're when you're talking about the most famous person in the sport it's a shame isn't it phil i'm sure organizers and, and broadcasters are, uh, are upset about this decision um ronnie is always going to be a miss but um well, he does still pick and chew to some extent, and we won't see the uh, the multiple world champion, maybe the greatest of them all, when the tournament begins in a few weeks' time. Yeah, definitely a shame. Yeah, he, I mean, he gets uh, he gets column inches, whatever he does, so it's good for tournaments when he's there. Um, it, it came out in a funny way, didn't it? Because World Snooker sort of published uh, not a full list, but a, a selected list of people who were going to be there. He was on it. He was on all the photos. 
then he just posted on Instagram that I'm not actually going to be there. Um, and then they announced that he was being replaced by James Cahill, of all people. Um, so, yeah, I don't actually have any inside info about why that is, unfortunately. Um, a lot of people make it out that it's because of the format, the short format, but I'd, I'd actually be quite surprised if that is the reason, because I think he probably knew that before he entered, and he's playing in the Championship League. Uh, he played in the Pro Series last season, so um, it, might, it might be, I don't know. But, yeah, it's a shame. Uh, and Neil Robertson's not there because he's getting married. So then, uh, so there's a couple of big names missing, but uh, we'll see uh, a lot of other ones. Judd Trump, John Higgins, Mark Selby, they're all playing. But without uh, O'Sullivan and Robertson and with the random draw and the short format, great opportunity for some players who wouldn't normally be getting holds of uh, big prizes. It could be it could be a bit of an unexpected winner, that one. It could be, definitely, as, as you say. And uh, Neil's entertaining us all, isn't he, with his, with his um, build-up to the wedding. It's uh, it, trying on rings and... Uh, and all, and all sorts in, in in recent days, but that that's obviously you know a very special day for him. We wish him well, and yes, the Bush Open is going to be something that we all enjoy very much in the middle of August, and we are going to miss Ronnie O'Sullivan and and Neil Robertson, but there are still so many top players, and it's funny because you, you're right to say that it's wide open, but somehow. It just does seem whatever happens, you end up with two decent players in the final. And often it's because we just have so many good players. Even if 12 of them go out, you're still sometimes left with, oh, it's the world number nine against the world number 15. And it's still two well-known players. So, you know, the smart money would still be on that. But as you say, they all draw each other, cancel each other out, and it could be a, a surprise winner. And uh, But in a way, I think if they market it correctly, Phil, and let's face it, I know we have the FA Cup of Darts that you've already, already mentioned about that, that's well documented in that sport. Why not make this the FA Cup of, of snooker in this summer slot? Make it something different. And, and as we said before, that every draw then becomes an event, doesn't it? Make the draw the event, allow FA Cup, and, and, and kind of create an identity all of its own. Yeah, I think that, I think that is the plan. Um... And yeah, it wouldn't have to be sort of badged up as the FA Cup on all the on the branding or anything, but because the UK Open Darts not like that, but it's just unofficially that. So I think that's the vibe they'll be going for. And yeah, a great chance. I mean, it's hundred grand for the winner. So if someone uh, not not the usual player, not the usual winners, uh, picks that up, that's huge on the rankings. That could get you in the top sixteen um, from quite a stretch away from it. So yeah, big chance. But as you say, it does tend to be the same people, even the shortest format. As we say, Kyron Wilson has become a Championship League expert. Mark Williams picked up the best of three Pro Series last season. So um, even the shorter formats, uh, it's, tr- it's tricky to get to crowbar these serial winners out of their winners' enclosure sometimes. <laughs> yeah, good way of saying it. Well, I think that's probably time soon for us to wrap things up then. We love to have your uh, correspondence. We are eventually going to have a Your Views episode. Ashley has been quite light on the correspondence, but we do understand that because it's a generally a quieter time for, for snooker and for snooker fans. But do keep your thoughts coming. Anything you've got to say about the new season, your favourite player, events you're looking forward to going to, any, anything that's on your mind snooker-wise, uh, tweet us at Talking Snooker or email us, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com. So tweet at Talking Snooker, email uh, talkingsnooker at 
uh, yahoo.com. Uh, anything else pressing, Phil, or, or should, should we say bon voyage and, um, and, and, and depart and go on our merry ways on this, on this rather humid Sunday in the UK? Yeah, that's all good for me. Um, coming from me this week, what is that? I spoke to Mitchell Mann a few days ago and I've been taking an age to put that together, but that'll be out in the next couple of days. Um, very interesting. I've never spoke to Mitchell before. He's a very interesting character. Um, so look out for that. I'll tweet that and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that. Great. G- give, give, us, give us a couple of little tidbits. T- tempt us in. Well, he, he's sort of, he's, he's obviously come back through Q school after um, dropping off the tour. Um, and there are some interesting reasons as to why he wasn't doing so well before, but I'll, I'll leave it there. Oh, great. That's a nice little teaser. And uh, yes, keep your thoughts coming then. And we'll, we'll talk more Championship League uh, uh, next week. We, we have got more, more guests coming your way soon. And, uh, and we'll tell you more about those in time. And we are looking forward to the Championship League resuming on Monday with the groups, Martin Gould, Ken Doherty, Roy McLeod, Ryan Davis, and Joshua Tamond, Oliver Lyons, Peter Devlin, and Luke Pinches. Action will continue throughout the week, so do enjoy that. But for now, thanks very much indeed for your company, and from Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.